Hey everyone and welcome to the one Up Cast, the show where we dig through our old video game magazines and compare what we thought then to the way things are now. My name is Kieran, aka Harry Atomic and I'll be joined each week and this week by the one, the only, the face of firmest gas, Martinez' main man, Mr. Daniel Ferry. <laughs> Back at it again. Back at it again, they can't get ready. We're, we have now tied our record for our last podcast of two episodes. That's yeah, true. <laughs> check, us, check, check us out, Ty. Yay, <laughs> insert, insert fireworks sound effect here. I'm telling you, next week, Kai, we'll be on a, we'll be on a streak. We'll be on fucking new territory, we'll not know what had us, we'll be all, man, three episodes and we're all veterans now, man. We're old hat at this. I'm I'm very good. I'm very good. I've had a really a really challenging week. We trying to organize podcast stuff with Apple. They're no fun. But it'll be going up on Apple soon. Uh we don't hey. get hey, we don't get Google Podcasts here, so it's not going up there. But any Android people, I, I've been told Acast is really good. So it's on Acast if you want to use that. Yeah. I was having a poke around. It's kind of a nice looking app. And or you could just go to SoundCloud. You could go to iTunes. All the links will be on the YouTube version. Um, that one seems to be uh, doing pretty well as well. You guys seem to enjoy it. So we're going to do some more. This is where I'm very lucky. You know, um, you do all the work. I have to give Kieran props here. He does everything. <laughs> I just show up and talk. And I'm like, you know, he texts me like a half an hour before and said, do you want to do this tonight? And I'm okay. And then I go back and just leave my life while he's like, <laughs> typing and grinding away, sweating, uh, doing all the uploads, all the links. So if you're listening and you haven't subscribed to my boy, Howard Atomic, give that man a like. Hey. Don't forget to hit the bell. <laughs> bell bell, and subscribe button. You know yeah. you know, you know, we, us YouTubers love our bell so and subscribe buttons. So if you're thinking, oh, fair play to them too, it's, nah, fair play to hear. <laughs> well, it's, it's a team effort. I, I need someone that knows about these old games too. But... That's true. That's Mo- true. Moving on to our old games, what we're talking about this week, uh, since we're tackling legendary titles like we did last time with Mario 64, we're going to ta- tackle another legendary title this time, The Legend of Zelda. Probably Ocarina of Time, mostly, some Breath of the Wild maybe, but it's all stemmed from this article. So in issue number six of N64 magazine, the article reads, Strictly speaking though, Zelda ought to be four times as impressive as Star Fox, what with there being two versions of it. After deliberating for months over whether to make Zelda 64 a cart game or one of the first 64DD titles, Nintendo decided to do both. The 64DD won't be coming out until the beginning of next year, the earliest after all, and Nintendo need to maintain a steady stream of games releases, as well as plug that RPG-less hole in the N64's catalogue. But at the same time, the 64DD will be absolutely ideal for lugging huge RPGs around on, and its launch needs to be accompanied by an irresistible selection of disc-only games if the public are to be persuaded to buy it. So two versions it is then. So I take a few different things from that. I never knew that. Yeah, I never knew that. And for for those who are watching uh, via YouTube, I'm going to give Kieran more work here because some people might not even know what a 64DD is. If you could just pop a wee image up of what it was. Because like, it never graced. Didn't, didn't happen, did it? You know, it happened in Japan. Well, 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 let me blow your mind, all right? Okay. I, I am going to I am gonna uh, segue straight away. <laughs> like, we haven't... Plug, plug, plug. We, we haven't even talked about Zelda yet. So... Yeah. apparently last year I think it was last year I'll, du- I'll double check afterwards and if I'm wrong well I'm wrong but it, it was around a year ago um, there was there's a guy he's a really big um, 
retro gaming YouTuber, Metal Jesus. I know him. I know you him. Know and uh subscribed. <laughs> he all subscribed and all he he found a 64 dd like he was just looking to buy one and he bought okay. one and apparently it was uh an american version that never got right. released so they were so okay. close to bringing it out in like english-speaking countries and this is is this because of the fallout with playstation this way it never held because i, I think wasn't playstation involved or something and then they had a fall out, and then they went with that was that was the snes days uh at the end of the snes's life so cycle before the n64 came out there was a, a disc add-on being made by sony ah uh, that's what it was yeah and then nintendo fucked them over and blah 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 blah, blah but because uh, uh, sega were doing the mega cd so they kind of were wanting to do something similar yes and we, we i think we should do an episode on that i think we should talk about yes. the 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 old add-ons the old add-ons and the console wars and uh, console wars will be a good one there. and the way that the consoles are now so we'll, we'll park that one then but yeah i'll definitely yeah. put up a picture of the 64 dd and it is still my dream to own one one day my friend one day we'll one own day. one and we'll play like two games on it and go that was good there and then never touch it again i always remember a screenshot in nintendo magazine where it was um there was like a hundred marios running around the screen Yes, and uh, it was kind of just showing the power of uh, of this add-on accessory, and uh, it never came to fruition. But Miyamoto actually said in an interview during E3 that that demo evolved into Pikmin. I, so I, it's, I it's did, great where I did hear that Nintendo do park their ideas like for like thirty years and go back to it. Then they go, oh, that's right, let's do that now. It's like, what have we got in the to- what have we got in the toy box? And then they look in and go, that would yeah. make a good game. But anyway, yes. Zelda. Yes, Zelda. So from from reading that article, it seems to me that the N sixty four was having trouble with RPGs, and they were looking to make. Uh-huh like two copies of Zelda. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole article, but the the gist of it is... is this again, sorry to interrupt you, but is this again because you'll probably have to do your, your Google in here, but the N64 was out during the PS1. Yes. And then that was the whole Final Fantasy VII, wasn't it? Yeah. And then maybe, maybe they're looking to compete with that. Maybe that's bled into that. Our, uh, so the story goes is that RPG game developers because of the size of the games they they're looking they were looking to get as much like they would use every kilobyte available to them they make uh-huh. more monsters more worlds they make them bigger they make them fuller so whenever nintendo came out with the n64 whenever they were designing the n64 sorry they said oh we're going to make cartridges and the cartridges are going to have i don't know like 32 megabytes or something like something i think it was 32 megabytes and then the playstation announced that it was coming out and it was saying oh well we're going to use discs and they're going to be 700 megabytes and it's far cheaper to make discs than it is to make cartridges so it, it made sense for anyone that was making rpgs to go ahead and make them on the playstation uh, and so that's where we had like this RPG kind of renaissance where like RPGs just got massive and ridiculous and really adventurous and they just they, it was like a great time to be an RPG fan unless you were playing on N64 because no one wanted to play on it I always remember uh, growing up with my, the N64 was, as a kid anyway was my favourite console and I always remember being really griped with the fact that there was no voice chat I always remember looking at my friend's PlayStation and they like had voice chat cutscenes and like Resident Evil and stuff and then oh, they yeah, brought it like, out. Like voice acting? 
Yeah, they brought. I think they brought out a version on the N64, but it didn't have any voice acting or anything. It was just text, and I always remember being really bugged by that. <laughs> so, so I find it's a bit this mad how you we things you just say just trigger bots. It, it's funny that you. It's funny that you bring that up because in this magazine, it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of questions at the end. So just to paint the picture, um, the the person who wrote this article uh, traveled over to Nintendo of Japan to try out a demo of Zelda while it was still in development. So they just got a quick glance and they have a whole lot of questions at the end of the article. And one of them is actually, will there be speech? So so it seems like everyone kind of had these massive expectations of we want voice acting, you know. and, and And again, they're probably comparing it to the PlayStation the norm on PlayStation at that point. Yeah, well, at that point, I think it was the like that was rumors of what PlayStation was going to do. Or that's what they were showing off, at least, because I don't think it was out at the time when this article came out. And what and what was the release date of Ocarina of Time? Ocarina of Time was released in Europe on December eleventh, nineteen ninety eight. So we had to literally wait ten years to get voice acting in a Zelda game. Twenty years. Jesus, I'm so old. <laughs> oh, no, it's coming up. <laughs> Ocarina of Time is is 20 years old this year. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, so we'll oh have, my god! We'll have to we'll, celebrate that. Definitely, we'll have to do something on the 11th of December. Yeah. If you can peel me off Smash Brothers, but that's a different story for a different right, time. Right off, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do we'll do a, we'll do a Smash Brothers episode as well. But in saying that, when you say voice acting, it's like you played spoilers or as voice chat in Breath of the Wild. However, it's you know it's not again it's not fully as it's tidbits, cutscenes and stuff. So they are getting there, but I think ultimately. They touch on the 64DD and the N64. What I know it's Nintendo developing, but the, the Zelda team achieve constantly with any Zelda game, even from the very first one on the NES, on a technical level. I know people always go on about, oh, GTA, and, you know, technically it's magnificent, and it is, it's fucking phenomenal. But what the development team has done on all of these games, because Nintendo's part where that's that's a matter that's called spade a spade has always been in comparison to the, their competitors very limited i think i mean the switch is on par of a ps3 and the, you look at this yeah, size and scale of breath of the wild what they did there yeah and again probably if they fall back on what i said on earlier they were again with audio they're probably held back again because they couldn't put in as much audio as they would like here here's the thing i was thinking though is that and i, I remember we had a conversation about this i think it was when the wii was dominant in everything where we both just sort of sat back and it's not like we came to a realization or anything but i just think we both commented at the uh, roughly the same time in a conversation saying isn't it funny how that you can have all the graphics power and technical prowess in the world but it's just a, you know, a fun game will always win game gameplay is king yeah. gameplay is is king is always number one mm. Um, so and the the, the veer off completely. Mm-hmm. I think a testament to that is Switch. I mean, it's so underpowered compared to PS4 and 360 and all our consoles. But you look at, I think the way they're attached right now at the moment, it's the way it's working. Is that if it keeps going the way it's going, the Nintendo Switch will outsell the Xbox One in ten months. That's nuts. It's insane. It's insane. Like I mean, it just shows you. Nintendo are almost I mean they always do have the powerhouse figures where they have Zelda Mario and stuff and they're always been renowned for gameplay so yeah but let me tell you a story oh you know I like to tell stories I like stories I like to tell stories because every time we talk about stuff it just triggers makes me realize how old I am um 
it's just trigger stories uh, when you mention certain franchises. Ocarina of the Time was the first ever game I pre-ordered. I didn't know what pre-ordering meant, but uh, I don't know if you recall, but uh, they were doing a like a pre-order campaign. And again, I'm sure you could pre-order games before, but I never physically went into a shop and say, good day, good sir. Here's X amount of pounds. Can I pre-order reserve this game? Can I buy this game before it comes out, please, sir? Yes. And uh, now it's the norm everywhere. Yeah. Um, and the only reason why I did it is because at the time, for Ocarina of Time, they were doing a gold cartridge. Oh. And it was heavily advertised in Nintendo Magazine. There's ads. For some reason, MTV at the time were heavily advertising. I don't know. They must have just paid MTV a fortune. Yeah. Um, just the, the trailer of the game and, you know, this gold cartridge. And uh, I always remember, if that was... I always remember electronic ba- electronic games uh, in my hometown uh, was our gaming store at the time. And yep. I remember going up with my dad and uh, me being just being shy and being a wee dweeb, being afraid to ask to pre-order a game because it was so alien to me. I've never done it before. I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I threw my dad in the firing line. Yeah. And uh, he was like, can I pre-order this game? And again, the guy just went, no problem. What's your name? Didn't take any money. That was the way it was back then. He literally opened like a ledger and went, no problem with your name, Daniel Ferry, Grant. Right, it's out on the 11th. If you don't pick it up by that day, it's gone. It's funny because I used to do pre-orders back whenever I worked in a video game store as well, and that's the yeah. way we did them. It was just, I, I remember it was just a red book and there was a pen yeah. like tied onto a string <laughs> attached to the book. And it was like, you would walk in and go, can I pre-order a game? And you, I would go, yeah, no problem. What's your name? I would write your name down. I would write down your phone number. And I, w- yeah. and I would tell you, like, right, I'll give you a phone call that morning. Uh, and, you know, if you come in and collect it. Or I'll leave a voicemail. Yeah. If you don't collect it that day, then it's I'm going to just phone the next person on the list. Oh, and that's how it worked, was but- that if we got 100 in and there was 120 names, then I would phone the first 100 people. So someone would have to come in in the morning and sit and manually phone people to come in and get the games that they ordered and didn't give us any money for. Insane. Because uh, I remember the guy filled out the form and he was just like, yeah, no problem. It's out in the, as you said, the 11th of December. Um, you had to get it that day. And... But he didn't mention the gold cartridge. Didn't mention it at all. And um, so as me and my dad were leaving the store, I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't convinced that uh, this was going down properly. So like we, we literally left the store and my dad was all, listen, spoilers, kids. Santa's not real. Oh. <laughs> but I was at that age where I knew that. and uh, But I knew it was my Christmas present. So I was all, my dad, you have to get it that day because this game is going to sell out. It's, it's going to be... It's yeah. At the time, it was the equivalent to well, even now, you know, Breath of the Wild was so hard to find when it came out. But there's no internet; you couldn't download it or anything. But and he was all, "No, definitely, well, definitely, well." And I was all, "You didn't ask about the gold cartridge." He's all, "What are you on about?" And I was all, "If you pre-order, you get a gold cartridge." And in my head, I was thinking maybe it was a, a limited edition when yeah. you went and got it. You got the gold. So I dragged my dad back in the store. My <laughs> dad. Not knowing what he was talking about, but fair play to him. <laughs> went up to the tall and went, sorry, he's asked me about a... And I always remember what he said verbatim. He's, all, he's asked me about a gold cassette and just looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy was all gold cassette and, I, and I'm me very embarrassed. I was a gold cartridge. And uh, he's all, oh, aye, aye, you'll get one lamb. And I was oh, all, brilliant. brilliant. So that was grand. So I left and uh, 
did me fine. And I always I remember then, like a month before it came out, I, I was subscribed to the Nintendo magazine, and they just mentioned in a slight blur in the corner, like a side text. Um, I can't even remember the reason why you could probably check it out, but they just they just they weren't doing the gold cartridge anymore. And I remember being gutted. Oh man! But at the same time, I was still happy I was getting it. And uh, an hour an hour story then, I always remember good a uh, good friend of mine uh, went to school with uh, a guy called Mark came on. And he got it. He took two weeks off school to play it. And <laughs> oh, like no bother to him. Um, but I had to wait for you know Santa to give it to me. And uh, he was telling me he went up that day and uh, it was gone. It was sold out. And I remember being in school that day. I think I was in first year or something. And I remember beads of sweat were dropping down my head. Thinking, oh my God, it's gone. And uh, I went home that day. And my dad was there and I thought, did you go up and get that game? And uh, he was all, no. So oh. I meant to today. And uh, now, thankfully, the centre was open to nine. So I, I made him go up. I went up with him to, to ensure that this transaction was complete. And man, no word of lie. It must have been everybody after work, you know, all the parents. Yeah. The shop was rammed and they had two queues. They literally had a queue of people who had pre ordered it and were buying it. And I was in that queue with my dad. And then there's a second queue of people like standing there hoping somebody didn't want it or didn't realise the price of it and I always remember my dad walking in and he's all <laughs> and I pre-ordered again but there's no receipt or anything so you could have said how you doing there my name's uh, such and such going for the phone book <laughs> oh there you are take a wee um, but he went down and said oh damn fair I pre-order for that Zelda game Yeah. and he just handed it out to him and I remember the uproar of a woman beside him saying why is he fucking getting that there because and pre-orders all, is your name in the book pre-ordered so that was my one and only time where a pre-order went in my favour. It actually worked for you. But an hour story, I have to tell you when it's oh, in the head. No, you, you go, you go. I love, I love these. <laughs> so I'm, I'm constantly plugging VHS. I'm not sponsored or endorsed by them at all. That's because but, it's, um, it's the best format. It's so good. You feel, <laughs> like, you feel like you have something tangible in your hands when you have that big box full of tape. Just. I'm down. I was um, so hyped for Zelda. I fell back. I mentioned there briefly about MTV, where basically Nintendo must have been paying a fortune. But we had satellite television back then, and uh, I think we were one of the first ones to get it. And I'll tell you why we got it. Uh, Kit Kat, where we're doing a competition with Sky Satellite <laughs> for, you know, if you find a certain rapper, you won. <laughs> I like, remember a free that install. competition too, and I was really. Uh, and uh, we won, and um, <laughs> you know, we thought this, this is such a big thing because, like, look at us, check us out with our free satellite dish. And we, did you ever do the hairspray on the card to get the free channels? Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. That would be, that, that's not a normal thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember my dad saying, oh, a taxi driver told me also no, it worked. <laughs> oh, I but, hope uh, that doesn't work still, otherwise we're going to get no, in some I'm, real I'm, trouble if some people try it. Yeah, subscription's going for, uh, through the roof. Um, so, anyway, uh, so, I remember buying a blank VHS tip, so I didn't even get one from the house that I could find, and I remember going to the shop and buying a blank one, oh. and uh, putting it on the video player. I'm waiting for like <laughs> a program to go to ads, and I sat at the bottom of the TV. Now TVs nowadays are all nice and flat and flush against walls. Like this is a big CRT, big massive bastard that you're sitting too close to, it, burn your eyeballs. And uh, 
the record back then it wasn't press the red button and then that was that you had to press the red button and press the play button at the same time oh yeah and right if you didn't do and if you didn't do it in unison you you fucking fucked it up so uh <laughs> it's like a whole like you needed four hands uh, yep <laughs> pretty like, much so me burning in. my eyeballs me burning my eyeballs well eagerly waiting ads to record a zelda tv trailer and I always remember the trailer to this day where it was raining and it shows you Hyrule Field and the drawback goes down and Epona runs out of Zelda on the horse and Ganon holding her and Zelda, uh, Link standing there and then it does like a montage of, you know, fight scenes and it does Zelda a pretty ordinary, blah, blah, blah. And I always remember looking at that trailer going, mm. I and I, was, I just want to watch it over <laughs> and over again. So one night at like two in the morning, when the TV was free because there was yeah, everybody's a lot of us in the yeah. house. I was sitting there with my tip, like <laughs> ready to go. You had to understand. You had to understand. I was probably about 13, 14 at the time. How would this look to anybody like a pubescent <laughs> child at two in the morning ready to tip something? I mean, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> down here? Fuck off, Zelda. What are you doing down here this time in the morning? I'm just tipping this Zelda show. <laughs> Nobody would have believed me. All right, right there. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? I'll leave you and your Zelda alone. Zelda doll. <laughs> so, I eventually got it right. I got it right, but then I fucked up because I didn't press the record and play button at the same time. So, I had to wit. So, long story short. I had to wait an hour, 30, 40 minutes, but I eventually got it. And I was so proud of myself. So proud. I woke my oldest brother, Gary, woke him, and I was all, look at this here. And I had play, and he's all, what's this? And why you show me a horse for? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he just shook his head and went back to his bed. So where did I go wrong? <laughs> so my first achievement in Hyrule Field was with a VHS tip. Oh, that's so good. That is That is so good. Fucking <laughs> VHS tips, Zelda trainers. I'm just picturing this, like I'm just picturing this, like den of like bootleg Nintendo like videos that you have in the house. Just I need to, I need to the Trevor Trove of my mum's VHS. I will find it someday. Oh, if um, you do, we'll we'll rip them and we'll put them on on YouTube. Like these things need to be like historically preserved for future generations to see what we're talking um, about because like a VHS tip was like three hours long and this tip had like a 30 second it's <laughs> such a waste <laughs> at 3am and then you break the wee tab so nobody will record over it then oh yep like, and then it. you write on do not tip do over not even tip though they can't <laughs> Zelda trailer and I drew the shield and it was all shit now because I should have drew it before uh, I watched it over and over I I mean, I remember pausing frame by frame by frame. Just to take and it all in. And the funny now, we, we laugh now, but like, like when a game's announced now, they do videos online where trailer breakdown and they do that. They, they yeah. pause it and they go through. So it's nice to see, you know, they're yeah, kind of doing it, that. But yeah, it never VHS really died. <laughs> it just got more popular. Uh, yeah, they're doing something a bit more advanced. So I was taking a look there while you were while you were telling your story. Um it's weird because at the time you're talking about being like really hyped about Ocarina of Time coming out. And I remember being hyped. I remember like I, I got a, I got a land of it for the first time. Um, whenever I was playing it, uh, I, me and a friend played it in tandem. So mm -hmm. like we would just use the same cartridge and pass it back and forward and have our own save files. But, um, yeah. did you, sorry, 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 did you call your character Link or did you call him Kieran? I called him Kieran. 
Mm. I, always, I, I, I always called him Daniel, and then when I finished that, I started a new one and called him Link. Oh, <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like that. Uh, the only reason I did it was because it wasn't my cartridge, and I didn't want him like, deleting it. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I, I put the name on it. But um, the Ocarina of Time was only the fourth console Zelda game. What? It feels like there was millions of Zelda games before it, and it was such uh. a hyped thing. There was two on the NES. There was the original Legend of Zelda and then Adventure of Link, that side-scrolling one. Then there was Link to the Past and then there was Ocarina of Time. I always remember the attachment for Ocarina of Time for the N64 console. I think it was... You could probably check this now, actually. Uh, how many N64s were sold worldwide and then how many Zeldas were sold worldwide? I think the attachment was... I think it was like 14 million consoles and 10 million Zelda copies. I saw, saw It was insane attachment attachment. So for every one person, they had an N64. It was mental. It was mental, like. So the N64 worldwide sold eh, just just a, a couple of boxes shy of 33 million. You can say me, half of us. Give us a credit at all. I know. So 33 million. Uh, and, well, in saying that, though, uh, we don't know what European figures are. These are global figures. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it seems that Ocarina of Time sold about seven and a half. So roughly, well, so roughly one in every four. Still quite good. That's pretty damn good. So for basically every fourth person had an answer to four worldwide, owned a copy of Zelda. Yeah. It's insane. I always remember. Yep. Sorry, uh, falling back to the mechanics of Zelda. I mean, I think Zelda was, Ocarina of Time was the first game. I always remember being hyped about such silly things like real-time weather and real-time, you know, day and night cycle. We yeah. could do this. And I always remember that, and it was a big, massive open world environment. And then when you go back and play it now, it's not really. It's a massive open world it's environment. Super basic. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that got me about it was I remember uh, seeing it. Must have been that same trailer, or at least a version of it. But I remember yeah. seeing like lightning, and it was like the, oh, no, yes, yes. you would hear like the crack of the lightning, and the screen would kind of flash. You know, it, no, like it was rainy, it was stormy, and I remember just being like, "Wow, this is the future! Like, we will never yeah. beat this. This is so real." It was it was the beginning. I, mean, I know, like Majora's Mask was kind of like a direct sequel. That's that's an all game. That's another. Just, we'll get on to that at some a, stage. I was a dark dark game but um just fall back into your 64 dd that you mentioned at the start it was kind of two different games and as you were touching on well breath wild kind of did that yeah well the idea was is that uh from now again this is going by the the n64 magazine article um apparently the idea was is that the n64 cartridge because it had less space on the cartridge was supposed to be for like action, fighting, or, or some sort of breakdown of that. And the disc, because it had more space on the 64DD, would be like adventure content, like more dungeons or a bigger world. So it was kind of like you would get, it was like an, almost like a primitive DLC almost, you know, where you could pl- put the two together and have this big uh-huh. RPG experience. So it seemed that Zelda was kind of always destined to go in that direction. Yeah. And, and Breath of the Wild now really feels like we like we've we've got that Zelda game that everyone always sort of wanted in a um, way. What was your? I never asked you. Asked yes. What was your final conclusion of Breath of the Wild? It's one of my favorite games. Same. I absolutely love it. I, I I'll 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 get a tiny bit dark for like a minute 
just to talk about it. But um, Breath of the Wild, uh, I about a year ago, I think like personal life sort of work stuff, things were getting really stressful. And Breath of the Wild was like the only thing that would really calm me down. Yeah. So like you'd be sitting and you know, you know when if you have a million things to do and you're mm-hmm. sitting and it gets on top of you and you're like, oh, I need to do this. I need to plan that. And this has to happen and blah, 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 blah. And then whenever you start second guessing at them where you're like, am I doing, no, am I doing this right? Or did I plan that well? Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. So anyways, that, that was kind of the mindset at the time where it was just constantly trying to plan something and, or, and fix things and, and do things. And yeah. I remember having, I pulled a, a 32 inch TV and under my bedroom, set it up at the foot of the bed. And I promised myself that for one hour every night, I would play Breath of the Wild. I lied to myself. It was never an hour. It was always yeah. way longer because you would just get lost. But there's just something so relaxing. It was one of the few games I remember on like this generation that didn't, Actually, yeah. Yeah, that, that didn't hold your hand. It just kind of said to you, yeah. like, here's a world, go. Yeah. And it was the, again, that's a credit to the development team. I mean, it was the ultimate form of escapism. Like, we can even touch on that in our episode sometime. But, uh, you know, anxiety and things like that. I mean, anyone who's had anxiety suffers from it. I get it all the whole time myself. It's not nice. And escapism does help. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that game was perfect. You know, because it was like literally a game that transcended you to another world. And there was no do this and do this and do this you just ran off yourself and you're cutting down trees and floating down cliffs and you know just exploring it was just searching every nook and cranny and you're always rewarded for it so it's i mean like i know minecraft going completely off subject you kind of use your own imagination and make your own world there and mm. that's why i kind of never really got on it because maybe it's because i'm older i don't really have much of imagination anymore <laughs> um where Breath of the Wild, you know, here's this sandbox, this play box, go play. And no matter what you do, I touched on it last week about gliding down and finding that flower and left on the rock. I mean, Mm. every tidbit. Um, Yeah, so even up until yesterday, I mean, I've never 100% completed the game. Um, Spoiler, when you complete the game, it tells you what percentage you have completed. I I, I put nearly 90 hours on it, and it... uh, Give me a percentage at the end. I saw I'm I'm a good solid 40, 50, 60 percent. I was seven percent done, hmm. and like up until yesterday, I was playing it yesterday because it's again it's a perfect game where and maybe this is a compliment to the Switch as well where it's a form factor, it's portable. You can just go right. I'll have a quick go here now, hmm. and you can go look for a shrine. And I remember the shrine. I couldn't find it, and I discovered it was actually underground. But you can't dig in Zelda. So long story short. Had to climb a mountain, glide down underneath the waterfall, uh, land at a certain angle, and then latch onto the wall. So, without the game telling me, it was teaching me a brand new mechanic that I never knew. And this is a year after the game came out. It's still giving me that play box, giving me, oh, you you didn't know you could do this. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, how that game is. It's magical. It sounds cheesy, but it's a magical experience if you've never played it. If anybody who's, I know Zelda fans uh, who've played it great time loved it, and then like it's in a way we all get older, we have kids, etc., jobs, and we don't get around to playing the newer games. But if it's definitely 
to be played definitely yeah i don't 100 percent a lot of games anymore now it takes a really special game for me to 100 percent it and breath of the wild i did every shrine i did everything in that oh, game really? yeah, yeah i managed to do every shrine I, I loved it i couldn't put it down but one thing that really kind of like i find really surprising about it was we were off the back of skyward sword which was a really kind of mm-hmm. for me i felt that was very handholdy yeah and then now i haven't followed i'm not sure if it was same developers same team same directors whatever i'm not sure it might have been different might be the same but i remember at the very like it well not the very start but it was it was early enough it was once you get the kakariko village so that's pretty early uh-huh. like the first time you get uh-huh. there and you're given the quest item defeat ganon uh, yeah, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like oh, that's a big order for where I am at the moment. And I remember being like, <laughs> I, "And I remember being like, wow, this game's maybe it's kind of short. Maybe it's just that there's loads of side quests." And I marched yeah. out on the Hyrule Field, just dead set on Hyrule mm. Castle, and a guardian just one shot at me, and I was yeah. like, "Fuck, I have a lot to do." And then from there, that was where I think I think the designers of Breath of the Wild believed in their sandbox so much, yeah, that they just took the quests out of the way they just turned and says here's some memories you can find here's some shrines to do uh yeah. but ultimately your goal is defeat ganon go and do it go and do it yeah. whatever way that you feel like you should do it and even then you don't have to do any of the stuff like the the the, the divine beasts or anything you don't yeah. have to do them yeah and you, you're literally making your own adventure um no two people i've ever spoken to have had the same experience with that game because uh, even with Ocarina of Time, you know, you have to do, you know, the temples, the water temple. Everybody says about the water temple. Um, there's no water temple in this. Um, I know, I know. There's no, there's no definitive. And as you say, there's four main temples. You don't have to do them. I mean, if you want, and it's not like the Zelda format where you get a powerful reward at the end of it. Yeah. You kind of do something, you get something story-wise, but I'm not going to go on that for spoiler yeah. reasons. Um but you don't get, you don't come out where, you know, in traditional sense where you got a bone arrow or you got bombs and you use the bombs to defeat that boss. There's none of that. Um, so there's no two people who playing it, experienced the, the, you know, the same game. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, I can't even describe. I mean, it's just a special. Really, it is special. Yeah, everyone takes away I mean, their own, their own sort of yeah. like their own. They take away their own experience from it. Yeah. Because I, I remember playing it, and it was like at one point, I think it was Iron Fury where it clicked me when I was on the back of like a, like a, a Zoran, you know, kind of riding on the back of it, yeah. shooting fire, uh, shooting bow and arrows, and like a, a beast. No, again, no spoilers. Yeah. And thinking this game is just, you know, this is a completely different mechanic, and to just so lit into the game, it's just phenomenal. It's just, it, it's exciting. Where do they go next? I mean, yeah. they will obviously evolve again. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it's just a testament to Breath of the Wild again that every time I turn on my Switch being it and play Mario Tennis or you know like I had to download a game like Stardew Valley every time every single time in the back of my head I was like I need to play Breath of the Wild again mm. and I, I think it's it's going to be if God spares us and we're sitting here in 30 years time doing a podcast we'll be talking about Breath of the Wild as in the way we're talking about Ocarina of Time because Ocarina of Time is held like a crown jewel, the gaming. Yeah. Um, and rightly so, because at the time, it, you know, it leaped forward the genre that we love, gaming, so much forward. Like, you know, it was like a big stamp of like, this is gaming, this is proper fantasy. And it's still doing it now. 
Yeah, it's nice that we're at that kind of pivotal point, and and it feels like we're in a in a pivotal point in in Zelda yeah. history. And there's DLC which I've never touched either. <laughs> yeah, I've never touched. You've yet it. to touch it. Well, you have uh, it all ahead of you then. Yeah, I have. Yeah. It. Did you get the bike? I I did. Yeah, I know. I've yet to get the bike. I, so. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'll just let you uh, work away on that. I I will get there someday. I will tweet about it, so you will know about it when I'm tweeting. <laughs> no. I know that this episode has run a bit longer than the last episode. We are aiming for roughly half an hour, but if we go over, we go over. But there is one last point that I want to talk about. So I know that this podcast is going out on Friday, which is Friday the 13th. Ooh. 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 But we're, we're, <laughs> we're currently recording this on Tuesday the 10th. Because and fans are currently beating Belgium 1-0. Way. <laughs> I don't know why way, but hey, way. Go. If you're yeah. French, congratulations. If you're Belgian, yeah. well, better luck. Mm. Nah, luck next time. <laughs> so, I, w- I want to read an- another another article. Just we'll talk about it for just maybe maybe two minutes, maybe ten minutes. But uh, I think you'll know what this is about. But I've been holding it to the end just to get your genuine reaction to this, okay. and to get your genuine feelings because I know we both felt strongly about this. Okay, but. Uh, this this is a um, th- this is a quote from the uh, the developers of Breath of the Wild back okay. when, back when they were developing the game, and I feel that this is a perfect time to bring it up. So, when he passed away, there were moments we'd come up with an idea that we'd be excited to talk to Iwata about. Then we'd remember he was no longer uh-huh. here. Miyamoto told me the same for him. He'd come up with an idea at the weekend and he'd feel excited to speak to Iwata about it on Monday, only to remember. The sadness runs deep. This is approaching spiritual talk, but we had the sense that he was watching over our work. That became a source of motivation, a drive for us to improve and be better. So Mr. Iwata, it's his two year anniversary tomorrow. Insane. I really, I I remember it like it was yesterday. For context, for people who don't know who Iwata was, he was the president and CEO of Nintendo and he was he always made that pivotal speech I always remember at E3 when years and years ago where he said in my mind I'm a developer but in my heart I'm a gamer yeah always remember that and like you don't see all these big wigs saying things like that but you could tell he was a gamer like he was behind Smash Brothers yeah like he was behind Kirby so Kirby he was behind like he was like he was on the trenches with Nintendo he was one of their boys uh, one of the things with Iwata always gets me to this day do you remember the E3 they did the puppets yes oh yes This I choke up every time thinking about it and because he was too ill so they did like a they did kind of like a Sesame Street puppets with all of them kind of like Reggie and Miyamoto uh, it's, it's sad um I think actually in the credits at the very end it says for Iwata as well. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a liar. It's the Switch console. If you open the Switch console apart, it's like it's um, like it's in there. It's like some it's engraved in there for Iwata or something like something like that. It's yeah. There's tributes to him yeah. like in in yeah. the in the, in the Switch console itself. But the thing yeah. that got me about him that really made me like I mean I followed I followed his career. I'd seen mm-hmm. videos. Um, I'd seen videos of like you no know, his his work on Kirby and him starting as a developer yeah. and working his way up and eventually yeah. getting you know becoming president of Nintendo was yeah. the thing that really made me think no oh, this guy's cut from a completely different cloth was the Wii U yeah, yeah. and how that it wasn't just a, a case of oh well market trends and sales and charts and figures and graphs he came yeah. out he came out and says the Wii U isn't 
it, it isn't in a, in a good place. We apologize. And he himself took, uh, I think he halved his own salary yeah. as, as a penance yeah. to, to make sure the, that no one would lose their job over that at Nintendo. Yeah. And the fact, man, this man came in during the Wii, and the Wii was printed money, the free, the DS printed money, 3DS did very well as well. And I mean, this man was so used to success, you know, and then the Wii U tanked and bombed, and he could have very easily went, fuck this, I'm out, but he stuck by it. Like, and again, when he said, in my heart, I'm a gamer, anybody who owns a Wii U and actually played a Wii U will tell you the games were not were fantastic. And that was because of the drive and determination of Iwata. You know, to lose loyal fans, he actually went out and purchased one. They were getting yeah. good games. Everybody called it a Nintendo machine, and they kind of brushed off of that statement. It's a Nintendo machine. The fucking games on it were phenomenal. Yeah, they had some like of the best Breath of, titles. Breath of the Wild was on it. Like, you know, not a lot of people realize that, but Breath of the Wild was developed from the ground up for the Wii U, and it was ported to the Switch. It's Donkey Kong, it's Mario, 3D World. There's so many. I could go on and on. Like, how many games but, now are co- are coming out now that are re-releases yeah, of yep. Wii U games that are selling gangbusters? In fact, I think yeah, they're selling exactly. more copies than the Wii U sold units. Exactly, exactly. And it was just, it was bad. It was a combination. We can talk about it in a different episode, but it's a testament to the man, the character of the man, that, you know, for a Nintendo fan, you actually feel it. No, like he passed away. Like you know, he, he, was, he was a once in a lifetime guy in, in an industry that needs once in a lifetime guys. I think I actually sent you a text message about a week after he died, and uh, it was a picture message. And I was playing Smash Brothers on the Wii U, and by complete coincidence, it was like a power up where he did the brain the brain training game. You know, the brain age training for the yeah. DS, and one of the specials is his head popped up on the screen. Yeah. And I remember just pausing it and going, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. You, you felt like a bit of you was missing. Yeah, but something insane. I, I know that this isn't a, a Nintendo podcast. I know we've only talked about Nintendo from the start, but I think it's yeah. important to remember that like, Iwata was more than just Nintendo. Yeah, like, Iwata was a guy who just wanted to deliver just fantastic games, and he did that, and he, he did it with his head high in an industry that was constantly compromising its morals. He never, he yeah. seemed to never compromise his. So, on that note, I think, you know, it's, it's I just felt it was, uh, it was right to honour, or in our own small way, uh, it, it was his second anniversary. Um, yeah. We'll still be missing him and mentioning him on his 20th anniversary. Definitely. He's just depressed, me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, uh, <laughs> on, 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 on that note, <laughs> <laughs> what's not what's not depressing is subscribing to our podcast and commenting and letting us know what you thought of all the topics that we talked about uh, you can reach out to me on twitter at harry atomic yt you can reach you on twitter at ferryman5000 and if you're watching the youtube version uh, it'll be linked below uh, i will also update on my twitter i'm sure you'll update on yours as well when we get more podcast links posted yeah definitely. so uh, make sure to let us know if there's any topics that you want us to talk about or if there are any old magazines you want us to cover and take a look through. But thanks for listening, everyone. And until next week, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.